Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. This week, because uh, we're not able to go see Padmavati, we are discussing other films that have been mired in controversy. First up, Amitabh Bachchan stars as a renegade teacher, forced out of his work and home by private coaching institutions in Prakash Jha's Arakshan from 2011. Then John Abraham plays a raw agent trying to stop the assassination of a former Indian Prime Minister in Shujit Sirkar's Madras Cafe from 2013. Finally, Shahid Kapoor, Ali Abat, Karina Kapoor, and Diljit Dashanj become entangled in Punjab's drug crisis and Abhishek Chobe's Uta Punjab from 2016. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Matt, I think the universe is conspiring against us. I don't think they want this podcast out there. <laughs> Your laptop is definitely helping. Oh, yeah. My ancient laptop is really having a difficult time chugging along tonight. But yeah, if you hear the sound of gears grinding <laughs> together, that's because of the laptop. Um, our last episode, uh, where we were trying to kind of wrap things up for November, uh, we ran into a lot of film sourcing problems. Uh, we talk about it more in that episode, but we had to come up with four different episodes uh, until we kind of were able to get one off the ground. That's why it ended up being an Annie Cash Up episode. <laughs> and this episode, we were planning on discussing Padmavati, but it's not out. It has been delayed. Why has it been delayed? Um, <laughs> it's a long story, it's, huh? It's it's a long story, and I think uh, a rather confusing one, if you don't um, follow kind of daily Bollywood news. There's, there's been a lot going on with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the latest from Sanjay Leela Bansali, one of our favorite directors, um, and was supposed to be like a big holiday release. Um, lush sets, beautiful music numbers, historical epic, epic yeah. yeah, I was, I was really looking forward to this, but we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because some people don't want us to see this movie. They don't want anyone to see this movie. And yet they themselves have not seen it to understand why. Exactly. Uh, it is based on an epic poem, Padmavat, from 1540 by Malik Muhammad Jayasi. I haven't read this poem. Uh, oh, no way. You haven't read it? No, I haven't. I haven't read it either. <laughs> um, I was hoping to see the movie version. Well, exactly. And, you know, when, when we do finally see Padmavati... Uh, we'll we'll get into um, this background a bit more. We'll research this a bit more. But for now, that's the poem it's based on. Uh, it is potentially fictional, but it's become to believe by some in India to be historical fact. Uh, and the character is as important to India as Marianne is to France, yes. you said. Yes. Um, so there's been allegations of historical inaccuracies. These have been coming largely from the Sri Rajput Karni Sena, um, who have objected to some potential content in the film. More than objected. I mean, they went on the set and punched people in the face. They've threatened to yeah. cut Deepika Patakone's nose off. They yeah. put a hit out on the director. They are extreme political actors exactly it, this is getting extreme and and in, i think from our perspective ridiculous mm-hmm. uh so well, we're very much you got to look at the content yeah. to understand why you're mad at something exactly it, you, you could perfectly you know it's definitely fine to have an opinion about something but if you're not actually watching the movie and also not letting anyone else see it 
we're not going to take your opinion seriously. No, exactly. So the film is about uh, this Rashput queen played by Topeka Padukone, the titular Padmavati, uh, who is so beautiful that she catches the attention of this Muslim ruler played by Ranbir Singh. And he brings an army to her doorstep to take her away from her husband, played by Shahi Kapoor. Uh, that's kind of the basic premise. And supposedly, this Muslim ruler and Padmavati never met. But there are rumors, unsubstantiated rumors, that Bansali filmed a fantasy romance sequence between the two of them. And members of the Rajput community feel that if this was in the film, it would denigrate the character of Padmavati. He's totally the sort of guy who would go off message and just make a weird uh, big problem for himself. And piss off a bunch of people for literally no reason. That sounds like a good move for a director to do, right? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. The whole thing um, it, it is ridiculous. So um, the film has been facing problems since back when they were shooting. Sets were vandalized. Uh, mobs then attacked the cast and crew while, fumi- while filming. Someone died. They Someone found a died. dead body. Um, they did find a body. It is People believe that he committed suicide. Mm. Um, and so they, he might, that body might not be, um, wrapped up in the controversy the way that it kind of presented itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the news is coming fast and the furious. So yeah. And it's, it's, and, and it's confusing. Um, so there's, there've been threats made, including bounties offered for killing or injuring, um, uh, both Bansali and Padukone. Nothing uh, for the guys in the movie though. A little bit of a double standard um, for you on top of that? Not as much. Not as much. Um, there's been protests held. Um, the film is finally scheduled for release, though, in North America on February 9th, 2018. So we still have a couple months. Um, but from what I can tell, it still hasn't passed the Central Board of Film Certification, um, which it needs to do in order to be released in India. It's got a month. Yeah, it's got more than a month. Um, but, you know, I mean, they have it. They yeah. haven't passed it yet, again, because of all of this controversy. Um, it's also been revealed that the controversies may have been manufactured to extort money from the Oh, no makers. way. Wait, 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 wait. What, what you're saying is someone stirred up passions in the populace mm-hmm. just to extort money? Wow, that's never happened before. Nope, never happened before. Wow. It's a really good plan. Yeah. Um, it actually kind of is a good plan if you're <laughs> some asshole who wants to extort money out of a production company. Yeah. I, I think this is this is frustrating as, as film lovers um, and people who believe in free speech and access to content. You know, we're, we're adamantly against things like censorship. Mm-hmm. This is... I think it's a difficult time to be a Bollywood fan right now because this is a movie that, you know, is hotly anticipated. Everyone wants to see. And the reasons that it's being withheld from us are are difficult, I think, for us to really understand. Here in Canada, we don't really get impassioned about our culture and our history. I wish we would sometimes. Yeah, me too. Not in this. Not not like like this. but Not um, to this extent. Yeah. And we actually have really strong hate speech laws. So yeah. if there was something that was 
particularly uh, denigrating like a you know a portion of our society, mm-hmm. the law would actually step in and make that movie not be seen. But no one makes movies like that because they want their films to be seen. <laughs> like it, it's just inconceivable to me that Bonsali would sabotage his his dream project that he's been wanting to do mm-hmm. for many many years. And just like just torpedo the whole thing on the off chance that I don't know he gets a buzz out of somebody like it it it's just completely nonsensical. Well, yeah, this is obviously completely unintentional on Ben Sully's part. You know, he why would he want to generate this kind of buzz? Yeah, he's getting publicity, but it's not the good kind, and it's also the kind that keeps your movie out of theaters. Exactly, exactly, and he doesn't want to be extorted for money, so. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing I think is really disappointing. Yeah. Um, it's I'm, discouraging. No one's going to make a movie about this subject ever again. Exactly. And I mean, has have people not heard of historical fiction? Yeah, it's called historical fiction, <laughs> a.k.a. not a documentary about the year 1540. Yeah, so I kind of have a hard time <laughs> wrapping my head around this issue of historical inaccuracies at all because I I recognize that narrative filmmaking um, even when it purports to be based on a true story there is an element of fiction yeah unless you're doing straight verite something documentary mm-hmm. that is the only way that um, your film will even resemble reality and that's before editing comes into play which does not happen in reality either. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a film that accurately depicts reality apart from fail videos on YouTube. Yeah. Those are the only subject that works for that. And CAD videos, I guess. Sure. As a Bollywood fan, though, I think this is something that um, you kind of have to contend with. Um, Bollywood loves controversy, apparently. I don't know if Bollywood <laughs> loves controversy. It's just that... Controversy yeah. loves Bollywood. Controversy loves Bollywood. And really, you haven't made it if your movie hasn't pissed off a certain segment of the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've read many, many stories over the years of films that have been controversial in some way. Um, and we discussed some of them on the show. Sometimes these controversies are laughable and somewhat baffling. Uh, like the controversy around Billu Barber. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny one because they wanted uh, they didn't the um, you know barbers of India didn't like the idea of being called barbers. Yeah, they wanted to stay as hairstylists, I guess. But guys, so here, they had to change the title to just Billu. They just called it Billu. But guys over here, like <laughs> hipster weirdos who cut hair are falling all over themselves to get barbershop yeah. traditions back into the common parlance. Yeah, so. You know, Billu was onto something. Uh, sometimes it has nothing to do with the content of the film itself, um, but it's just kind of statements that people disagree with that Amir Khan has made, so they're going to ban his film in certain states or um, organize boycotts. Uh, so films like Dangal, Gunde, uh, Golian, Ki, Ras. Lila, Ramlila, which we frequently just prefer to as Ramlila. Because it's easier. Um, have all been mired in controversy. Uh, and, and, and quite a number of many other films. Um, some of these have been 
pretty big, and some of them have been pretty small in the case of, of Bilu. Uh, Gunde has a, had a fascinating controversy. The film depicts kind of the creation of Bangladesh um, and its separation from Pakistan and becoming its own state. Very, very quickly, though. It's not the focus of the movie. It is not. The focus of the movie is glistening male bodies. Yes. Um, this is a brief um, kind of historical moment in the opening of the film. It's like a prologue, really. Exactly. And there were many groups that felt that this was um, portrayed inaccurately and were upset. To be fair, the members of the Bangladeshi army that we see in that movie yeah. are not shown in the greatest of lights. So I could kind of see that, but not to the extent of getting it rated the worst film of all time on IMDb. Exactly. Which is what a sort of internet... Uh, um, not a mob. Eh, it's an internet mob. Yeah, they all got together and just downloaded it down to hell. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, it had the distinction at one point for being the worst rated film on IMDb, but it was largely rated by people who hadn't even seen the film. They were just trying to hurt its reputation. Controversy does not necessarily need to be, um, you know, after seeing a movie. In fact, it's way easier if you don't participate with the artwork and just make up assumptions about mm -hmm. it. That's... That's the best way to do it. Uh, controversies around Bollywood films that tend to bring in uh, the authorities. So where um, groups are um, successful or actively trying to ban a film or films that have a lot of difficulty with the censor board tend to have issues around politics, religion, sex, and foul language. The stuff you don't do at the dinner table. Yeah, so so we discussed Black Friday in our last episode and how, you know, because it was about um, a situation that was still being uh, discussed in the courts, they had to wait until the film was... Sorry, they had to wait until a verdict had been reached before they could show the film. That one I get. Yeah. That one totally makes sense. You know, the legal system... Should not be trumped by a film. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Especially if you're getting a jury together or something, it would be hard to have people not be swayed. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that one I get. But films like Fire, which is uh, not a Bollywood film, it's a Canadian-Indian co-production by Deepa Mehta about uh, a lesbian relationship, that was just mired in controversy because it was about lesbians. I mean, this is not... Totally an India problem, though. No. I mean, if you watch the movie, uh, this film has not been rated about the uh, MPAA in the mm -hmm. States. Um, this film is not yet rated. Yeah, this film is not yet rated. Sorry. If By you watch, Yeah, if you watch that movie, you could see how um, similar content is rated much more harshly. Mm -hmm. Like, basically gay content. is You're more likely to get an NC-17 with that as opposed to heterosexual. Yeah. So, yeah. We're not completely throwing any under the bus here. There's no. th there's ways that this happens all over the place. No, and then there's been other films um, that have received problems because they're too steamy or they dare to feature nudity. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of Ram Leela, that was because um, using the name Ram Leela, which refers to an important religious play in the Hindu religion, um, many thought was insensitive and potentially offensive, so they had to change the name of the movie. Um, there's another film, Oh My God, that's a satire on religion, which, 
you mm-hmm. know, people that were offensive, was offensive. PK raised a few hackles, if I remember right, and that mm-hmm. was a gigantic success. But it yeah. was also the religion thing. The the films that have had problems because of the political content, I think, is is the stuff that I have the hardest time understanding. So there was a yeah. film at one point about Indira Gandhi. They couldn't release it till after Indira Gandhi uh, was no longer in office. Mm-hmm. Um, that I kind of get. But and you've seen Punjabi films about Indira Gandhi as well, which take mm-hmm. a completely different tactic. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, and we do, from time to time, get films here in Canada that have been banned in India. Um, a lot of them tend to deal with um, events in the 80s in, in Punjab. And we had lipstick under my burqa at, at a uh, festival mm-hmm. here, and that one also courted quite a bit of controversy. Yeah, yeah, they I did eventually get past the the censor board in India, but to be fair, the sex scenes in that the sex scenes in that movie are much more explicit than I would mm-hmm. see in almost any other Bollywood film. So, if that was the issue, I could kind of see again it's outside of the content that's normally passed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of get that one too. Mm-hmm. But. From, you know, having our Canadian background and, and kind of living in a Canadian context, um, it can be difficult to understand what's going on in India politically mm-hmm. um, and how it affects the film industry. And it very much does affect the film industry. We try, but there's a lot of stuff that can sometimes go over our head, you know. Yeah. We're already grappling with trying to understand the cultural context of these films and then when we have to understand the political context. Keep in mind we also don't speak the language too, so it's yeah. very much dependent on the quality of the translation, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, I do want to say that um for us, we're just looking at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's kind of where we come in. That's what interests us. And we are aware that, you know, other people have different um, backgrounds and different sentiments and find different things objectionable or problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we try to be aware of that... Maybe after this, they'll find us objectionable or problematic. <laughs> Maybe. While we try to be aware of that... We have a very different background. Um, we live in a completely different country with, you know, a completely different cultural and political makeup. So I think, you know, this this is one of the more kind of interesting um, facets, I think, of being a fan of Bollywood cinema. And you don't get this as much when you're a fan of, like, French cinema or even Japanese cinema. Not since the 70s, really. I think yeah. there you would have, you know... Marxist movies, and in Japan you get things like uh, uh, Oshima and like treatment of uh, Korean people mm-hmm. in Japan. But um, yeah, cinema-wise, and I mean, there's there's some anti, um, there's some people who protest some of Miyazaki's films because they dislike the political content of uh, some of them, like The Wind Rises. Yeah, The Wind Rises. But that was actually kind of (laughs) backwards in that it was people who did not want to apologize for the Second World War protesting the political statement in there. But yeah, it's not... like Bollywood is unique in that there are often political, religious, sexual controversies going on with movies all the time. Exactly. Um, so one of the films that I really wanted to discuss, but unfortunately I couldn't find a copy of in time for this episode, but I thought it had some interesting implications, um, 
especially in regards to what we're talking about with the issues around Padmavati. And this is a Bandit Queen. It came out in 1994 and directed by Shekhar Kapoor. Shekhar Kapoor is probably best known for his um, two films starring Kate Blanchett about Queen Elizabeth. Mm. So he directed Elizabeth and Elizabeth the Golden Age. Um, and people have actually asked Kapoor his opinion about this Padmavati situation. And he's pointed out, like, Bansali is not a political filmmaker. <laughs> and also, please don't court me with controversy. I don't want to be banned as well. Uh, this film, Bandit Queen, is a biopic of Fulan Devi. She was a bandit and later on in life a member of parliament. Wow. Um, Good for her. Yes. She was uh, a child bride who was uh, sexually assaulted and eventually got away from her husband. And um, according to, to books on her life and the film, uh, would again be sexually assaulted and eventually... Um, Go on a murderous rampage of revenge? Eventually, after yeah. um, after reaching kind of a breaking point, and there is a, um, for for lack of a better word, a, a gang rape depicted in the film that hmm. um, is said to have kind of incited part of the anger and, and rage within her. And, and yes, she then goes on a, a murderous rampage and has kind of a, a bandit group of her own, eventually falls in love loses her husband and uh, she was a real woman and she was alive when the film was made and no one consulted her. Hmm. Well, step one, probably talk to the person you're making a biopic about because if you don't, you're going to get in shit. And part of the issue around this is that title cards come up that purport that this film is truthful, that this is a (laughs) truthful film. Oh, it's truthful. Truthiness. Yeah, but no one no one spoke to her. Mm. And so she and no one would let her see the film before it came out when she asked to see it. Hmm. A little bit different from normally where yeah. people who haven't seen the film are forming opinions about it. This one, they're specifically not letting her watch the movie. Yeah. That's not a great sign. Now, she had been in jail when they were making the movie, but by the time it was being released, she'd been let out. And so, again, she... Was she an MP by then or later? Uh, no, later. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, I actually do kind of see her point. Yeah. Um, and the film, which we haven't seen, but which we've read about, um, is really difficult in regards to its portrayal of sexual violence. Uh, There's an excellent essay online that I'm going to link called uh, The Great Indian Rape Trick by Arundhati Roy. Um, And this essay is very empathetic to to Devi and how um, the author thinks that this film restages um, moments of trauma in her life uh, without her consent Mm-hmm. Um, without a you know regard for historical accuracy, and kind of uses uses these trauma, these very very serious thing things that this this woman went through potentially. Um, because again, I, I I haven't spoken to Debbie. I don't I don't know what in the what in the film is true and what is not. I've she'll be on next week. So <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think she's with us anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. But but it, it's exploiting this trauma. That, that yeah. that's kind of one of the central issues, and it didn't even allow her to be a part of forming this story. 
Um, so you can see how she seems like a dangerous person to uh, <laughs> annoy that way, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> if she is literally a bandit queen, that seems like a great way to get your ass shut off. Yeah, I hear this is an exceptionally well-made fan- film, but also a difficult one to watch. But I actually do think um, that the issues that are brought up in the Great Indian Rape Trick uh, are very important. And this is a film, again, I wish we could have seen it, because I kind of, I, I see the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I actually, you know... The it, controversy is meritable. Exactly. It, it's one thing... When a film is depicting like centuries ago, and and who even knows if if this Rajput queen existed, but when you're dealing with a real woman's life, mm-hmm. and and you can still talk to her, and she's known for shooting people, like don't you have a responsibility? And and so much of your movie is going to be about um, her trauma. Yeah, I bet people asked Tanya Harding before they made the I, Tanya They movie, did right? ask yeah. Tanya Harding before they made I, yeah. Tanya. It's just generally a pretty good idea, it, unless you want to get sued. Yeah, so I, I, I hope at some point that we can see this film because it's an it important... sounds good. Yeah, it's an important film in, uh, in Indian cinema. Uh, Roger Ebert himself even reviewed it. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I haven't been able to find a copy, and, and that's unfortunate because Shekhar Kapoor is not... A unknown director, you know. You know, this is another case for Criterion. This yeah, it is an is. important, an important uh, film that has international appeal. Hard to find. This might be a, this again. This would be a good one. Yeah. So that concludes the portion of the episode where we talk about movies we haven't seen. Yeah. Now we can talk about movies we have seen. Cool. Well, the first one up is Arakshan. Came out 2011. It was directed by Prakash Jha. Stars Amitabh Bachchan, Saif Ali Khan, Manoj Bajpayee, Deepka Padukone, and Pratik Babar. It's a pretty awesome cast, actually. Mm-hmm. So Arakshan deals with the world of uh, education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cards on the table, this is probably going to be the film that is the most difficult for us to talk about, as it's dealing with a policy that the government put in that while we understand... The movie does not really explain well enough to outsiders like us what the um, who the stakeholders are in this um, new policy. Yeah. So basically what's happening is there is a reservation policy, film's title refers to it, mm-hmm. that people of lower castes are to be given preferential access to higher education, like slots in different mm-hmm. uh, departments. Engineering is the one they bring up a lot in the movie. And sort of government jobs, jobs in banks, that kind of thing. Yeah, from what I understand, it's that um, a certain percentage, uh, I think it was 20%. 27. At, yeah, yeah, 27 at one point in the film, of those positions are set aside for people of lower castes. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to talk about the oh. India's version of affirmative action. Yes, it, it's it's very similar to affirmative action, which you see in the states. Uh, so, Amitabh Bachchan plays another role where he is a <laughs> authority figure at a school. Yeah. Um, I think I actually like Mohabbatine better than this, but not by much. <laughs> uh, but he is a genial principal at this uh, school called STM, which is a private school. That's very important. Mm-hmm. But he kind of feels that this reservation system is a good idea. And uh, he feels that uh, students of lower castes, they need to have access because centuries of inequality have made it difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between 
equality and equity. Um, so giving everyone equal opportunity isn't going to cut it. Yeah, I'll get into the rest of the plot a little bit later because surprisingly the plot does not actually revolve around this concept, mm-hmm. which is the interesting idea behind the movie. But uh, once uh, Amitabh Bachchan, again, at the private school, decides to have the same regulations apply there as they do to the public schools, yeah, uh, the more privileged and higher caste people start freaking out and essentially saying that every sh- that everything should be based on merit. Yeah. Which is an interesting term when you're thinking about people from underprivileged backgrounds who, again, maybe they have three jobs. Maybe they, um, you know, grew up in poverty and, you know, they didn't eat very well or something. Like, there's so many invisible barriers that someone like, you know, the more privileged people in this cast, they could not even begin to understand why they're held back in some ways. Mm -hmm. So that is the main argument in the beginning of this movie. Saif Ali Khan plays a member of a lower caste who is, I'm thinking like a TA, like he's going for his master's or his doctorate or something. Something like that. Yeah. He's he's trying to go to Cornell. Yeah. He eventually goes off to Cornell University, but he's, he's good friends with Amitabh Bachchan. Bachchan is helping out in his whole life. He's sees him as a mentor and he's, Kind of in a romantic relationship with uh, Deep Capetacone, who plays uh, Abachan's daughter. Uh, daughter. So there's your kind of uh, trio of main characters. And uh, Menage Bajpayee comes in as a government appointed. He's he's like a he's a crony who's there to kind of get this school back in line. And he also has hilariously a line of. Um, Sort of private called, coaching institutions. Yeah, private coaching institutions called KK uh, Coaching. Um, so that's kind of the setup of the movie. What happens afterwards? That's like the first hour. Yeah. Then and it kind of like three hours. Yeah. Long. Then it kind of goes off the rails because <laughs> uh, Bachan is kind of forced yeah. out of his position at STM, and Bajpayee takes over. And due to Pretty stupid uh, move on uh, Bachan's part where he signs a bunch of papers while looking when he's at the bank. He finds out that he accidentally signed over his own house <laughs> to KK uh, um, well, to coaching. A, to a friend that he was trying to help out who then opened the coaching school uh, in his home. Yeah. So uh, things go from bad to worse for Bachan. He, you know, he doesn't have a job anymore. He doesn't have a house. And he keeps alienating people around him. What I think the movie is trying to do is show us what a great man from a higher caste who has a great job, once his advantages are taken away from him, and he is, you know, he's poor. He doesn't. He, he's in bad shape. <laughs> he's living in a barn. He's living in a barn. Um, he is able to fully understand the experience of other caste people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also shows the limits of personal action when dealing with problems of this magnitude. Because, as Aaron stated, he did kind of give his house to some friends from a lower caste to try and give them a place to live and get them a leg up. He also um, mentors Saifali Khan. But it's only there's only so much that one person can do. Yeah. I think the movie is trying to argue that you do need these bigger um, government-level... You know, um, moves in order to get towards that equity. It 
the movie does this in the most ham-handed and mm-hmm. bizarre fashion by making it about Amitabh Bachchan's house and then a series of classes that he teaches to first lower caste people, then higher caste people want into. He's teaching out of a barn. Saifurli Khan comes back from the States. He's also teaching. Um, and if you like people writing on <laughs> chalkboards, I think this is the movie for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of maths. A lot of maths. And kids in this movie, they love the maths. They're they're crazy for them. <laughs> well, they all want to become engineers. Well, they want they go to school and then they come home and then they go to uh, Bachan's barn for some more uh, maths. And yeah, becoming an engineer is great. And we've seen so many Hindi films about what it's like to go to engineering school. I'm thinking Two States. I'm thinking Student of the Year. I'm thinking um, no, Three Idiots. I don't think it's an engineering school and Student of the Year, but yeah, Three Idiots yeah. it is. Well, like... Higher education is the ticket to a good life. Yeah. And what the upper class people are worried about is their positions being taken away by the government. Mm-hmm. They they worry that their that their sons, their daughters, who might not be getting the same marks, who might not have the best mm-hmm. uh, um, the best work ethic, they might fall behind to mm-hmm. these other people who are trying harder, essentially. They have to try harder. I think the issues that this film raises are really interesting, and I was really interested in this subject matter. Um, I'm I'm the daughter of two teachers, and the the right for to education and access to education is something that I care very deeply about. And so I was interested in the issues that this film is raising around um, how to um, raise up. Um, people who have challenges, who are who are underprivileged, um, and how to give them those opportunities, and how to give them access to things like education, and the kind of um, battle here between public education and private for-profit education is really interesting. I just don't think that the film is invested in any of that. Like, I think the film kind of doesn't have the power of its own convic- convictions. It doesn't use it. It's just a backdrop. Yeah, it's just a backdrop to a story about Amitabh, Amitabh being right. And I think I think that's an issue. By the end of the film, you know, you you don't feel like anyone's has really changed their position. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's no one's mind has changed. It just well, kind of feels like Saif realizes that he should have apologized to this great man. That's about it. And the yeah. the one the one rich guy's like, "Hey, actually, I was being an asshole before." So it's your standard sort of. Uh, movie resolutions but the big issue at hand is not resolved no and it's the, not the, resolved the issue that the movie is named after is not resolved no. we were both thinking we were watching this and, and it's not that those issues needed to be resolved but I felt like that the film would at least make a point about those issues and I think it was I think it was trying to like talk about the limits of personal action versus yeah. larger governmental stuff but it is very uh, difficult to parse yeah uh, we were both thinking while watching this film you could make a similar movie if, uh, for instance, in Canada, if preferential treatment was given to indigenous peoples mm-hmm. at government jobs and at uh, um, educational institutions. And I suppose you could probably say already that uh, people who uh, speak two languages, if you want a government job, you're, you're a lot more secure there. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if that sort of stuff was, uh, was uh, decided upon for indigenous peoples, you would see riots like that in this movie. We are not that different here, and no. there is definite 
societal inequality here in Canada that, um, you know, it's, it's our great shame right now. And we're hoping to reconcile. That's the word. We're hoping to work towards that. But, you know, this very interesting problem, this very interesting question of, you know, how do we help people? How do we make everything the same for everybody? Unfortunately, yeah, it just drops how, the ball. How do we give everyone an opportunity to succeed? There's a song about what they would do if they were given a chance. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah, and I just, again, I think I, I think this is a big issue in this film is that it, I don't think it wants to um, really explore these issues. It's not interrogating them whatsoever. And Bajpayee is essentially playing a Scooby-Doo villain who is just evil for evil's sake. And again, I was thinking when watching this, like we saw a movie about him at an educational institution dealing with Mm -hmm. a problem. It was Aligar. And Aligar, what it did was it doesn't need a mustache twirling villain. What it needs to show is the bureaucracy failing, Mm -hmm. cops not caring, um, and... You know, just kind of the general society grinding a person down rather than a villain. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that they probably could have done this movie to make it better. Like, we're not in the business of rewriting films here. No. But this one, it had such a great uh, idea behind it. It's just, yeah, the execution was lacking. I agree. And I'm, I'm I'm really disappointed, actually. And I think it was it's hard for us because, again, this is a very specific um, political environment um, that and 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 a very interesting cultural environment um, that's a hard for us to relate to yeah we we obviously as, as Matt was mentioning have some issues like this in Canada um, but they don't manifest in the same way not yet uh, not yet um, and so you know we we were sitting there thinking of okay how how would this sort of thing play out in Canada? And, and, and we, we do not want to say that everyone in Canada is well off, but our education system is very, very different. Um, it's even very different from the United States. We also don't have like entrance exams to no. get into schools, which you see a lot in video games from Japan and then movies in India. You got to do well on that exam or otherwise your life is over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this idea of, Coaching and all this stuff, like all these kind of um, layers of education, like it's just a completely different system yeah. uh, than what we have here. The here. states has that if you want to get into an Ivy or something, but here, yeah. here it's mostly public schools. There's a few private ones, but honestly, like, yeah, it 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 doesn't cost as much here as well. Yeah, and even our our post secondary, they're a lot more affordable mm-hmm. than than they are in the states. Like, we don't have this kind of Ivy League thing, and and so yeah. So we were kind of lost in regards to the politics and cultural context of this film. Also, so then, also of note, the uh, the subtitles for this refer to the cast that Saifali Khan oh, yeah. is a member of as the backward people. Yeah, which that has to be like just trying to communicate something that we just don't have in English, right? Mm-hmm. It just it yeah. That can't possibly be what it's called, but you can prove me wrong, listeners. I, I don't yeah. actually know, but that, that just seemed weird. Yeah. So so we can't connect with the film on that level, and so then we start looking at, like, okay, like, 
is this a good movie? Is this an interesting movie? Is this a well-made movie? No, no, and no. Exactly, exactly. So it just ended up being, you know, a big slog for three hours. You know, the film didn't want to explain any of the issues that it was dealing with to us, so we're just kind of lost there. And Yeah, it's assuming we know. Which, exactly. To be fair, yeah, the intended audience would know. Exactly. Um, but then, you know, when, when you don't get that stuff, you just start looking at it as like, as like, okay, well, is this a well-made film? And it's just, it's just not like, there's nothing interesting in its aesthetic. The direction is flat. And I mean, these are all good actors, but none of them are giving a good performance, which, you know, goes back to the direction. It's just very flat. Yeah. So the controversy behind this film, um, there's, there's a couple, uh, sets were bulldozed in Bhopal because they were erected on disputed land. So okay. They probably should have checked on that one. Yeah, there's some problems um, during filming. Um, the pro-Dalit groups in Kanpur protested Saif Ali Khan's casting as a Dalit. A Dalit is an untouchable so he's untouchable. That's, that would have been good to even bring up in the movie. We're assumed that we would know this. Yeah, again, it's... There is context clues, but we are unfamiliar with the context. I'm, I'm sure when we see films about some of these issues um, later on, we're going to pick up on stuff that we didn't pick up this time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. This was a tough one. We know he's of a lower caste, um, but Saif Ali Khan himself is a prince. Yeah, in real life. So I... I Understandable see, why there was a controversy. Yeah, I can see why people uh, were upset um and then the film was banned in three states um so that's the big one that's why we chose it it was banned in uttar pradesh punjab and andhra um the national commission for scheduled casts um received complaints about objectionable content they did review the film and found that well the overall film is not objectionable it is loaded with anti-dalit and reservation dialogues um, we, but that's the that's the drama yeah, of the film. Exactly. But yeah, okay. Exactly. Uh, eventually, Jaw uh, did decide to remove some objectionable scenes um, because hmm. he was sick of all the backlash. Well, that's one way out of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So complicated and not. Yeah, this was a tough one. It was a tough one. Um, and again, you know, it's like I apologize if we keep coming back to this point of like, this is an area of Bollywood. Um, where we're really, you know, engaging with, we're, we're just kind of out of our depth because we're in, engaging with larger socio-political and cultural, um, issues that we don't have a lot of experience in yeah. or any experience in because we're Canadian. That doesn't mean we can't, um, enjoy these films. That doesn't mean we can't watch them. That doesn't mean we can't learn about these, these issues that we don't experience in our daily lives with people on the other side of the world do. We want to do that. But this film, I don't think, was a great use to us. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Well, I think it's time for Interval. So what uh, song are we uh, going to hear a sample from? We're going to hear a sample from Uta Punjab from Uta Punjab. Makes sense. <laughs>
On the latest episode of the Well Endowed podcast, they head to Fort McMurray to hear how the effects of the 2016 wildfire continue to impact the community. They tour the new building at the White Mud Equine Learning Center Association, and they learn about the Edmonton Valley Zoo's Red Panda Breeding Program. For links, show notes, and more info about the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed podcast, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. The Alberta Podcast Network is an initiative to bring together podcasts from our home province of Alberta. Currently, there are 28 podcasts on the network covering a variety of topics and issues. In this episode, we talk about trying to understand India's politics from afar, so I thought I would recommend a podcast that dives into Alberta politics. Over at the broadcast, hosts Trisha Estabrooks and Alex Zabjek discuss women's stories about life in and around politics in Alberta. You can find the broadcast at thebroadcast.ca. To find out more about the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and the member podcasts, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. So that was Uda Punjab from Uda Punjab, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But first, we're going to take a look at Madras Cafe. So Madras Cafe came out in 2013 and was directed by Shujit Sarkar. And maybe less of a good cast in this one. <laughs> Features John Abraham, Nargis Fakhri, Rashi Khanna, Siddharth Basu, and Prakash Belawad. I kid. It's just Nargis. <laughs> um, so it's set during the Indian intervention into the Sri Lankan Civil War in the late 80s. Yeah. And the eventual assassination of former Indian Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi. At the beginning of the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, in what the film calls the first use of a human bomb. Yeah. But I think there might have been earlier ones. That's debatable. Yeah. But, yeah. So John Abraham is a agent for the Indian Intelligence Services mm -hmm. who is sent to Sri Lanka to try and set up a network to infiltrate essentially the um, political apparatus that isn't already in the jungle Mm -hmm. That isn't the Tamil Tigers. He he's sat there to kind of deal with the the uh, the guy that could conceivably run uh, Sri Lanka, who isn't armed and already mad at India, mm. uh, because India had previously been funding the Tamil Tigers, yeah. and you know it's a confusing landscape. But uh, it does not go well for uh, Abraham, and he is uh, basically on the run from his own agency. Mm -hmm. He's on the run from two different groups trying to kill him, and he has to try and stop this assassination by the end. Uh, Nargis plays a, uh, a uh, reporter. A British reporter. A British reporter who's... Who has an accent from Queens. Yeah, and feels like she's reading... Something translated three times or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm normally not the person to, like, talk about that. Like, I think Nargis was pretty good in Dishoom for her small role. But, yeah. yeah, she was not good in this. And I'm normally not one to kind of criticize accents either. I just don't really understand why they would choose to have her working at a British paper when they could have chosen to have her working at an American paper. Yeah. I mean, they could have... I don't know. I don't know if this is based on a book or something. Or, I don't know. Given her a Katrina Cave-esque throwaway line about how she's from the States but is working at this British paper. Yeah, I'm from know. London by way of Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but she plays a uh, um, reporter who Abraham mm -hmm. sort of has uh, dealings with and they exchange information with each other. Um, and this is an interesting movie. I think... The topic is a lot more interesting than the film itself. And I think a lot of 
decisions that the director made actively made it hard to watch. Mm. Um, like? Well, this uh, is very fond of the uh, Bourne-style shaky cam running around sort of thing. Right, yeah. There's a scene where a bunch of uh, dignitaries are talking at a table, and every cut is... Smash cut, wiggly camera, mm-hmm. smash cut, wiggly camera. It's just people talking at a table. Yeah. It's trying to force extra um, entertainment value out of kind of a boring scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think that the battle scenes were really well executed. I thought the CGI, actually, of the helicopters and stuff, mm-hmm. it actually looked pr- pretty good. Um, I can't say if uh, the clothing and other stuff from the time looked about right, but it was pretty pretty good. Um, and it was kind of a passion project for John Abraham, right? He produced this one, and he just felt he wanted to... This would be his, like, serious movie. I think so. He certainly kind of, like, slimmed down a bit to try and play a more believable, like, real-life <laughs> spy as opposed to, like, the big, bulky action movie-style spy. Like, in, like Mr. Force in Force. Yeah, but he's still kind of, like... He might be a bit smaller than usual, but he still looks like... A movie star. <laughs> yeah. So. This one, it felt like this was like his uh, George Clooney and Syriana type thing. Like, I'm going to make a movie about myself dealing with a really important geopolitical backdrop. Mm-hmm. And this will make people like me. Yeah. I think overall, it just like it's a straight up action thriller set in an interesting um, and kind of. Uh, violent um, political time. Which we mostly know because of M.I.A., the recording artist. That was the first time I had ever really heard about the Tamil Tigers in high school was when M.I.A. came out and people were talking about her kind of um, association with them. Her father was a Tamil Tiger. Yeah. Um, She's not. Uh, I love M.I.A. Yeah, she's awesome. She's great. She was a great performance live. Yeah. Um, And sometimes she uses Bollywood samples in her songs. She does. Uh, so the, yeah, this was, this was okay. Like I, I appreciated, um, the historical stuff. Kind of a look hooray spy movie almost. Yeah. But He's got to deal with his own agency and yeah. It's never as good as anything like look hooray. Like yeah, I just, yeah. I just feel, I feel like, um, it delivered on the, um, the assassination stuff and the stuff about the Sri Lankan Civil War. Like, I thought that stuff was really interesting. I just thought the story of this spy, um, wasn't. And I just, I didn't, like, feel a lot of tension. Um, but I was really interested in, um, yeah, the, the stuff that it was pulling from real life conflicts. It didn't really need this framing story and as I thought, well. I thought it explained everything very well. I didn't feel lost. Yeah, it, it didn't really need this framing story where, uh, he's, been burned and he's living in a village somewhere and he's got a beard and he's so sad he's talking to a priest and i don't think it really added anything apart from padding out the runtime Mm -hmm. they could have just played the story straight and we would have experienced him having all these shocks to his system over the course of the film rather than oh he's a battered and broken man but what happened yeah yeah so well i found the the content really interesting and really engaging. I just didn't find the overall film yeah. to be, you know, in, it just again. I just kind of I didn't care about John Abraham's mission, but I did. Um, I did think a lot of the other stuff, a lot of the situations um, that he was involved in, I cared about what was happening there. Yeah, the titular Madras Cafe is actually in Singapore, right? And I thought it was in London. 
I'm pretty sure it was Singapore. Oh, right, Singapore. This is this is one of those movies where it does shift between lots of different cities, too, yeah. so it's a little hard to keep up with. But it's it's a place where uh, the rebels and various other government figures kind of plotted. Mm-hmm. So that's where that title comes from. But, yeah, it was it's it's a decent enough movie. Um, I feel like I did learn. Yeah. I learned, I learned quite a bit. And it's it's a topic that's less difficult to grapple with for us. I think so, yeah. So, I appreciated um, that. So, the controversy. Tamil politicians called for a ban of the film on the grounds that it depicts members of the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Ilam as terrorists and that the film itself spreads anti-Tamil sentiments. Hmm. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Um... I can kind of see that. I would say that here in the West, a lot of what we hear about groups like the Tamil Tigers does kind of present them as terrorists. This could be our biased <laughs> news sources, honestly. It, it, it yeah. could, you know. Um, they so, got a point here. I don't know enough about the Tamil Tigers to have an opinion. Um, I don't condone violence in any way. but um, I think it had a bit more of a nuanced view of the uh, the leadership of the group, though. I think like, so, There's too. some interpersonal rivalries and people playing each other. I think it's... Uh, yeah, there's, there's a bit more going on there. I think so, too. I think they were trying to be um, somewhat accurate to history while still making an engaging um, yeah. and somewhat fictionalized film. Actually, it's mostly the Indian intelligence services who are yeah. the villains in this. Yeah. The court received a petition to ban the film, um, but they dismissed it. One did go through, though, in Tamil Nadu... But it did not result in a ban. Um, some theaters in the UK, though, refused to show the film due to negative feedback. So yeah, there's a, there's a substantial Tamil population in Canada too. I wonder if yeah. it if it was received here yeah. and and how how people liked it. And and I understand. You know, I wouldn't want a movie coming out that that shows. Um, my cultural group as bad people. Mm-hmm. So I understand the complaints. I think the film, um, from what I saw, uh, I don't want to say had a lot of nuance, but it had more nuance than just kind of showing people as black and white. More nuance than you would expect from a John Abraham picture where he's a spy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although he picks interesting roles. We were talking about this. I think he has less of an ego or maybe his ego is different from other, like, beefy Bollywood stars. Mm-hmm. He's in this. He's a villain in race. You know, not everyone's going to play a villain. Yeah. He's uh, He was in Seven Coon Moff and probably my favorite of the husbands. The kind of a straight comedy role Why there. Why is he your favorite of those husbands? I don't know. Okay. He, he was funny. Uh, but, like, he he's... He's an interesting actor, and I think mm-hmm. his he picks interesting projects all the time. Mm-hmm. So I always look forward to a John Abraham picture. Yeah, me too. Um, what I was going to say, though, is I, again, because I believe in free speech, I don't necessarily think that, you know, one should try and ban a film just because they believe that potentially um, it is harmful to the, um, that there's a harmful representation of their cultural group in it. But I do think that, you know, like filmmakers um, should be held responsible and not spread kind of offensive stereotypes and, yeah. and hate speech and that sort of thing. With this one? But I, I don't think there is any yeah. of that. Not, and again, I, you know, I don't know all the issues. Not that I saw. Yeah. With this one, it could also be the ban would be preventative against violence at the theaters. Like if yeah. people had said that, you know, like Podmavity, that they'd burn down a theater that was showing this movie, it could be a preemptive thing to be like, okay, well, we're not going to have this movie just because... 
tempers are flaring. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I do... I understand some of the issues because I think a lot of people are quite heavily influenced and swayed by what they see in the media, fictionalized Mm -hmm. or not. And so you can, you know, make a movie about how this one group is, is, you know, is is terrible. And and people will kind of, I think both consciously and unconsciously... um, take that in and and can be influenced by that so so these things can be be dangerous and i i understand where people are coming from um when you know you know you make a movie and 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 maybe you make an entire cultural group out to be terrorists for example which i think was some of the fear with this film yeah it's difficult decisions and i'm glad it's not my job to make Mm -hmm. so our final film is one uh that we love this movie owns... I've talked about it on at least two podcasts now. I think we talked about it a little bit in our wrap-up of 2016. A little bit. And I talked about it on uh, Mo Beloch's show as well. Mm-hmm. This is Uta Punjab. It came out in 2016. It's directed by Abhishek Chobe. It stars Shai Kapoor, Karina Kapoor, Ali Abad, and Diljit Dashange. The easiest way, I think, to describe this film is that it's kind of like a Bollywood version of traffic set in Punjab. Yeah, I always say it's like a season of The Wire distilled into Mm -hmm. two and a half hours. So it's about the drug crisis in Punjab, which is a very real thing that is happening right now, and it is very serious. There are a lot of people and a lot of youth um, addicted to to drugs, to to hard drugs, Um, and... This film wants to show um, show these issues for, for what they are and expose what's going on in Punjab in a very um, artistic, creative, and engaging way. Mm-hmm. So it follows four people. Shahi Kapoor is a rapper who's a symbol for the youth. He's called Gabru, which means a like young, um, well, he young calls, man. He calls himself the Gabru. Yeah. Young man. His name's Tommy Singh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in Punjabi. Uh, and his his music glorifies drug use, and he himself uses drugs. And over the course of the film, he has to confront that um, and confront how his music um, has affected people um, and how he contributes to the glorification of drug use. Mm-hmm. Alia Blot plays a um, farmer, a laborer uh, from Bihar. Kind of shipped into Punjab. Yeah. She comes across uh, about like three kilograms of heroin that someone has like thrown over the border from Pakistan. A member of the Pakistani <laughs> uh, discus team yeah. wearing his Pakistani discus team jacket. Yeah. It's not subtle. Um... She sees this as potentially a ticket to a better life and tries to set up a sale of it, um, but instead ends up in sexual slavery and finding herself uh, dependent on drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing performance from Ali Abad. And Who's mostly known for kind of glamorous roles up until that point. Like, you look well, at Student of the Year. Highway, but yeah. yeah. Highway, she starts off pretty glamorous. Yeah. And, gets uh, beaten up by the course of the narrative. But like compared to Student of the Year and Shandar and a couple other things, can't believe that yeah, Shandar also is Shad Kapoor and <laughs> her in a romantic pairing. And then there's this. Like, Can you yeah. th- imagine more of a thematic shift? Yeah. She's she's fearless here, and her and her, her story is, is heartbreaking. And I think um, 
very realistic to what some some women go through. Her her performance, you can tell that her character is actually an extremely smart and capable person. Yeah, she is just from a background where that has not been useful yet. Exactly. She she thinks this might be her shot, and you can see her just kind of like learning the drug trade on the fly. And then, you know, planning revenge and all this stuff. And, like, yeah, it's it's fascinating to see her mind work through her face. Like, you could see it on her face. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, Karina Kapoor plays a doctor who is trying to treat um, addicts, get them off of drugs. Bit help. of a celebrity doctor? Yeah. A little bit of a headline chaser, we're led to believe? Yeah, well, she does a lot of chari- charity work. Yeah. Um, and so she she wants to rehabilitate people. She also wants to uncover the political corruption that is allowing the drug trade to continue. Diljit Deshange plays a cop. Sartage. Uh, who is at first kind of um, complicit in the, the corruption that allows drugs to be brought into Punjab and sold. He's taking a bribe. Um, until his uh, younger brother ends up overdosing. And he um, ends up helping Karina Kapoor in kind of again, a little sting operation to expose the local authorities. Yeah, this this movie this movie is incredible. This was my number nine film for 2016. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. Yeah, and I think you see things in this movie that you don't usually see in Bollywood movies, and it tackles issues that you don't. Usually, see apart from Anya Kashyap, who was the uh, producer, right? Yeah, and honestly, I mean, we don't even get these movies regularly from from Hollywood. You know, yeah. movies that like, you know, really want to face difficult issues. Traffic, Requiem for a Dream. But, it's in that level of yeah, intensity, but isn't done in a way that is didactic or preachy or overly messagey, like. You know, it's it's not just that this film is about serious issues. It's also that it's so well-written, well-directed, well-edited, and yeah. well-acted. Even just... though it's a bummer, it's also super fun. Oh, yeah. It's really fun. Uh, Chad Kapoor is fantastic. Yeah. he. I, some people think his performance is too big. I agree. But that's his, that's his whole thing. I think it totally works for yeah. the character. And for the film. And again, I, I, I think it is believable. He's got to start off at that level in order to gradually work his way down to being a normal guy again. Exactly. Exactly. And the last shot in this movie is is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the last shot before the credits come up. There's a bit of stuff kind of during the credits. But that last shot, um, it just... It, it really hits you. Mm-hmm. This is a really hard-hitting, powerful film. Uh, and I think it's kind of... It, it showcases some of the best filmmaking currently happening in world cinema. Yeah, it should have a much bigger reputation outside mm-hmm. of India than it does. And unfortunately, its reputation in India is kind of more for the massive amount of scandals that came out around it. Yeah, yeah. So before the film was released, uh, it was submitted to the Central Board of Film Certification, as all films need to be. Uh, they need to be passed through the Central Board of Film Certification, received a, receive a certificate, and then they can be shown in theaters in India. Well, the CBFC thought the film was too vulgar. They demanded... Um, I, I it saw is articles, admittedly pretty vulgar. Yeah. I saw articles that asked for 89 cuts and articles that asked for 94 cuts. Yeah. Somewhere around 89 to 94 cuts. 
Um, this included not just um, portrayals of drug use, but I mean, if you're going to make an anti-drug film, you also kind of have to show people doing drugs and yeah. the effects of drugs. Peeing on people. Um, yeah, a lot of um, foul language. But also... Oh, and for some odd reason, they didn't want the dog to be named Jackie Chan. I mean, it is probably racist, but yeah. they're also drug dealers. Yeah. They're shitty people. Um, but they also wanted to remove every use of the word um, parliament, election, and Punjab itself. Yeah, they this is where... even wanted it removed from the title. This is where the politics come into play for this. Yeah. And so, this seems politically motivated, um, yeah. to say the least. Uh, when you well, want to get rid of stuff like that, what are you trying to hide? <laughs> spoiler alert, the film specifically indicates that uh, politicians in Punjab are not only like kind of letting this shit slide, they are essentially giving away drugs in order to you know have yeah. elections go their way. And that's some pretty inflammatory stuff. It is, but at no point in the film does it say, you know, this is... This is true. At no point in the film does it say that, you know... There's a pretty big disclaimer, actually. That, well, yeah. yeah. And, and part of the reason why they have that disclaimer is because um, in order to get the film released, they had to put it on. But it's not like the film purports to be based on a true story yeah. or on real-life journalism. It's it's fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and it's presenting um, a realistic but fictionalized representation of the issues currently in Punjab. And and people should have the ability to confront those issues. They should have the opportunity to to take them in and to interrogate them. And that's what this film is doing. And by trying to remove um, this whole subplot of political corruption or a, the very kind of place that the film is set mm -hmm. you know you're you're really i think um stifling freedom of speech there mm -hmm. so um the producers took the central board of film certification to court and in the end the court demanded only one cut they wanted to take out shahi kapoor uh urinating on his audience when he kind of has an outburst at one of his uh rap shows mm -hmm. um and that's that's a huge win for free speech. It is, but it's also... It's a little ambiguous what he's doing now. Yeah. It's one of those situations where, had we known what was happening, it might actually feel less vulgar. Yeah, that's true. That is true. We don't... Re the way it's cut now, it's like, oh, yeah. what's he doing? He could but, be doing something else. Um, and and the judge said to, to the CBFC... Uh, it's not your job to decide what the public can and can't see. It's your job... Uh, to give it a certificate. And yeah. so if an A is the highest certificate you can give it, which means adult, you give it an A and and let it go. Mm -hmm. You are not moral police. Mm -hmm. um, though <laughs> I, I imagine if you ask some people um, at the CBFC at the time if they thought they were moral police, you might get a different answer. Yeah. It has been recently revealed in an interview with the former CBFC chief, Palaj Nahani, who at the time was the chief, he is no longer, that he had received instructions from the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting to block the film's release. Yeah, well, that seems pretty obvious, actually. The fix is in. Yeah, I, yeah, it, yeah it is. And, and we can sit here and speculate why. Because um, it makes Punjab look really bad. <laughs> 
Yeah, and potentially because, um, you know, the government, some parts of the government might be profiting off of what's happening. And so they don't, you know, want to cut down on it mm-hmm. and deal with, uh, you know, corruption. Um, so after all this went through and the film finally had uh, clearance to be released, it was leaked online <laughs> days before it was scheduled to come out in theaters. Yeah. Uh, they had sent two copies to the CBFC, and um, based on the watermarks on the online leak, it is pretty clear where those copies that mm-hmm. ended up online came from. And didn't it also leak somewhere else? Uh, well, then a day after it was leaked online, but the day before it came out in theaters, it was shown um, on television in India. So this is the absolute height <laughs> of hypocrisy. Yeah. This is a film... That the government did not want people to see. They thought was too vulgar. They fought for... Like, it was like weeks. I remember when this was happening. You'd be getting yeah. every week a new update on what's going on. They would fight in the courts over this. They, you know, kicked and screamed. They gave it a certificate. They even leaked it online. But then they put it on TV <laughs> in its form... You know, it's vulgar form that they were fighting so hard against. They gave it arguably the biggest release Mm -hmm. in order to try and screw it over at the box office. But that's the absolute hypocrisy here, right? They don't care about uh, who sees it. They just want to do what, you know, what their political motivation was here. Yeah. And and luckily their sabotage of the film didn't work. No, Um, it did really well because it's a great movie. It did really well. both um, critically and financially. It was nominated for 12 Film Floor Awards, and it won four, including Best Actress for Ali Abbott, Critics Award Best Actor for Shahi Kapoor, and Best Male Debut for Diljit Dashanj. How could you not root for this movie after all the stuff it went through, right? Like, it's a real success story. And it and it really is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I can't stress that enough. I'd watch um, it again now, and I've seen it three times. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. And it's it's uh, easily available on Netflix and has um, subtitles in English and other languages. So. And they're good subtitles. You actually know <laughs> they're what, they're, what they're swearing. Yeah. Hence my profanity earlier. Yeah, they are really good subtitles. Um, I Yeah, I think this film is, is such a knockout. Um, and I just, I really encourage everyone to see it. And it... And you really, like, it's a movie that, that, you know, the government didn't want you to see. Yeah, they should have put that on the poster, like, (laughs) see the film the government wanted you, see the film the government didn't want you to see. Well, I think it's terrible what the filmmakers had to go through to get this film on screens. I also think that, like, it really, it really kind of meant that when you did finally get to see it, you were sticking it to the man. Like, this mm-hmm. is a movie that the government doesn't want me to see. This is a movie um, that is, quote-unquote, dangerous. It's vulgar. It's dangerous. But also, is it too real? I mean... We're going to get banned by the CBFC after this one. Maybe. Maybe. The but... Central Podcast uh, Censorship Committee? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just... I, I find it really moving um the these four performances are so emotionally realistic mm-hmm. uh you know Ali Abad has to go through unimaginable horrors um and she still maintains this sense of strength 
and dignity. You know, she she really is one of the best actresses of her generation. It's a pretty simple metaphor. She's looking at a picture of Goa. She says, yeah. I'm not here right now. I'm there. And also the metaphor of jumping into an ocean when you're high on mm-hmm. heroin. I mean, it's simple but effect, effective. And I think the the arcs that both Shahi Kapoor and Diljit Dashant go through throughout the film are impressive. They both kind of start off in a place of kind of selfish ignorance. And then by the end of the film, they understand their the influence that they have on other people, the part that they have to play. Um, and, and I think, you know, they, they learn to, to care for someone else. Um, you know, Sha- Shahi Kapoor... Um, finds that he can love someone else and who isn't and, himself. Yeah, who isn't himself and put aside his own ego. And Dilshit Jashanj um, learns something very similar, very similar, but it has a lot more disastrous consequences. And you know that that man's eyes, <laughs> oh, just the pain in his eyes throughout this film and at the end of this movie just completely guts me. Uh, Karina Kapoor's good. I don't think she's as strong as the other three. She's the adult of the movie, basically. Yeah, and and to be to be fair, she doesn't have an arc. Exactly. I don't think her role is as meaty, um, but as this kind of selfless doctor, I think she she comes off very well, and I think she's an important figure to have in the film. Well, it's a person who indicates hope for the region in that mm-hmm. someone is actually trying. Exactly. And I appreciate that, um, you know, that she's a very successful woman and that she kind of commands power. I like the, I like the gender politics here. Um, I think that is very important. And it's just, yeah, this script is, is kind of incredible because you have these four, these four narratives that at some point converge into two narratives and then can kind of spurt back out into kind of three narratives. Um, so it's doing this juggling act of, um, kind of cross-cutting between what's going on with all of these different people and then kind of showing the connections really organically. Like I can see someone criticizing this film for being gimmicky. You know, again, it has that kind of like traffic style narrative, Um, but it's not as gimmicky as traffic, even though I love traffic. It doesn't do the weird color timing thing, for instance. No, no. Um, You still have a sense that all of this is taking place within the same world, (laughs) for example. And... You know, it did remind me quite a bit of uh, Jab We Met, actually, because mm-hmm. in that one, the isolated Punjabi farmhouse seems like a refuge. Right. But here it seems like... Or do you mean in Highway? No, no, Jab We Met. Oh, in Jab We Met, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I thought for sure that the house that the drug dealers run is the same one as Jab We Met. Oh, right. That house. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In that, it shows a completely different version of the uh, countryside right. and also features uh, Karina Kapoor and... Though they never share a scene in this film together. Yeah, that's yeah. They and, have a little bit of bad blood, I've heard, and would not promote it together. <laughs> yeah. They went to one event, promoted it together, and then they said no. They yeah. won't do that anymore. A little bit of behind the scenes gossip there, but uh, yeah, I and think I, this one plays on the ideas of Punjab, as you see in stuff, romantic films. Mm. You see this kind of farming, and beautiful it landscape. Yeah. It. It, it does not make Punjab look good at all. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Chopi's camera here, it's just, it is so confident. Um, watching this again for the third time, I, I was really struck by really eloquent camera movements um, and just kind of, and, and shots that 
I think elevated the 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 character's position within um, the overall context of the narrative of the, of the film. So like you know it was it was telling a story visually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I really can't praise this film enough. I just I I do kind of think it's exceptional. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Go see it. What are you waiting for? Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This was um, a difficult episode to put together, but we thought kind of important to to talk about this issue um, and how how you grapple with it as a Bollywood fan, especially as a foreign Bollywood fan mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't necessarily always understand where these controversies are coming from or why they're happening um, when you just want to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, we already have um, kind of a kind of a cultural context that we don't understand to contend with uh, when we watch these films. But when you add these other layers on, it, it, can, it can make Bollywood seem impenetrable, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not at all. Um, so we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Um, fingers crossed, knock on wood that this hotly anticipated new release doesn't get delayed for any reason. Yeah. We are going to be discussing the Salman Khan, Karina Cave action thrillers, Ek the Tiger and the latest release, Tigers and High. Ripped from the headlines, Tigers and Dead High, based on a true story. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, this gonna be an interesting discussion. I'm really excited about this. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can uh, check us out on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. I'm there too. I'm at Matt underscore B O W E S. I'm at Erin E Fraser E R N E F R A S E R. You can look us up on Facebook. Uh, just look up Bollywoods for Lovers. Uh, we're on gradio.ca, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, all your favorite podcast apps. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd love a review on iTunes. Yes. That's the best way to get new people listening to the show that we know you like. While you're over on iTunes, leaving us that review, please uh, check out and subscribe my other show, Trash Art in the Movies, that I do weekly with Paul Matwitschek. What are you doing this week? Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, two films about filmmaking itself. Mm. So our trash pick is The Disaster Artist, uh, which just landed in theaters. And our art pick is France Watch Your Foes Day for Night. Hmm. That's an interesting art uh, trash pick. <laughs> I, I would say that's an art movie, but... You haven't you, seen it. Yeah, but it's a James Franco-directed picture. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Check you next time.